I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, friends, family members, fans of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this final episode of the Feeney Podcast, season one at least. We will be back for all of the other seasons, but for now we're wrapping season one and then taking a little break for the summer. My name is Josh. With me is my co-host, Jacqueline. Good afternoon. Hello, hello. We're down to the last one here. We've we've done a whole season. My gosh. I can't believe it. We did it. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we stuck to it. We committed to it and uh, it worked out. So thank you, Quarantine, for something good coming out of that mess of a spring season that we got this podcast launched and off the ground. And I think it's been pretty good so far. Yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Uh, looking back on this show and rewatching it, not only just for the nostalgia, but I liked this show so much when I was a kid. So it's nice to look back and not think that it is like jerky now, you know what I mean? And that it actually holds up and that there's a reason why it has stood the test of time and had did so well in syndication. Yeah, definitely. I was just listening to Rob Lowe, who just launched a new podcast like this week. And his first guest is Chris Pratt. And they're talking about like what TV they watched as kids. And Rob Lowe's a little bit older. So he's mentioning some, like Six Million Dollar Man and some other shows from the 80s. But Chris Pratt goes, you know, I look back on the shows I used to watch, like Full he names Full House and Family Matters as like two specific examples of like shows that he just was absolutely in love with. But but just like doesn't really hold up as much and is just like super hokey and kind of lame. And I haven't really felt that way at all with Boy Meets World. No, there's definitely like a little bit of hokiness and cheesiness, of course. I mean, it is a show for kids, but so far, aside from some jokes that didn't age well, I think that the uh, the core messages are still pretty good and the acting is actually quite good. Yeah, it is. We've mentioned this before, but Ben Savage as the lead is doing a great job of playing that character and playing it really well. And we're going to see all of the other characters kind of come into their own as well. So it's been fun. And uh, we finish up here with an episode, I Dream of Feeny. So uh, before I dive into the summary of this final episode of season one, uh, we do have a note from last week from a listener. Oh, yes. From the plays, the thing. So let's hear what Megan has to share with us about the plays, the thing. Hi, Josh, Jacqueline, and Feeny listeners. This is Megan, friend of the pod. Always wanted to say that. And I am calling in because on a previous episode, Josh remarked that the plot of The Lion King and the plot of Hamlet seem to be pretty similar. And I did a quick Wikipedia search. Apparently, Based on the Platinum Edition DVD second disc of The Lion King, uh, that is correct. And Hamlet, among a couple of other biblical 
um, references was the uh, inspiration for the story. And uh, I also wanted to shout out the play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead as another great Hamlet offshoot. All right. Congrats on season one. Bye, guys. So, Josh, you were correct when you made your Lion King reference. If I'm being honest, I would have never made that connection had you not said something. Yeah, I think I don't think it was like something I came to my own conclusion for. I think it's something I had heard, you know, a lot of a lot of movies, even ones that you might not even realize are based on, at least in part, on some of these old or Shakespeare plays. Um, my favorite one, I think, that the best example for me is 10 Things I Hate About You being based on Taming of the Shrew. You're right, she's still pissed. Sweet love, renew thy force. Hey, don't say shit like that to me. People can hear you. Look, you embarrass the girl. Sacrifice yourself on the altar of dignity and even the score. Listen, don't say shit like that, man. People can hear you. I don't know if you have any other favorites. Can't think of any Shakespeare ones off the top of my head. The movie Clueless is based on the movie Emma, which is like not a Shakespearean play, but just sort of an example of like a modernization. I'm sure there are so many that will occur to me like tonight when I'm in the shower and I'll be like, oh man, I can't believe I didn't mention that. But yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You is probably, oh yeah, they made um, they made a remake of Othello with Julia Stiles called O in the 90s or mm. maybe the early 2000s. But yes, 10 Things I Hate About You, definitely the best example of that. They like do some nods to Shakespeare throughout the movie as well, so that one's a little bit more obvious, but such a good movie. Oh, that must be Nigel with the Brie. <laughs> also on Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, I also love the Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. That one's so, so clever. It's so good. I had that movie on VHS when it first came out. I think we were in seventh or eighth grade at the time. And I probably wore that tape out. I watched it so many times and I had the soundtrack. I was mildly obsessed with it. So good. Do you buy your thumb us, sir? I do buy my thumb, sir! Do you buy your thumb us? Sir. Is love our sign if I say I? No! No, sir, do not buy my thumb at you, sir, but I buy my thumb, sir! Do you quarrel, sir? Quarrel, sir? No, sir! But if you do, sir, for you I serve as good a man as you! No better? Uh, uh. So cool. Anything else, Jacqueline, before we dive into the final episode? Just that Megan gets a prize for being the first caller that is not one of our relatives. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Megan. Congratulations. The first caller that is not Danny Shaw. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you some Feeny podcast swag once we get the floor <laughs> up and running. Uh, all right, let's let's start with uh, season one, episode twenty-two. I Dream of Feeny, aired May 13th, 1994, directed by David Trainer. The title, of course, is a nod to I Dream of Jeannie. And uh, mostly the only connection there is that the words Feeny and Jeannie rhyme, but Corey does have a dream of Feeny. Mm -hmm. So it, it works on a couple levels. Here's our basic synopsis. Corey and Sean wish that Feeney would get sick so they don't have to take their geography exams. Feeney winds up in the hospital and Corey feels guilty. And your JQ synopsis is, 
Corey and Sean act like buffoons instead of studying for an upcoming test, leading them to wish that Feeney would get sick and cancel the exam. When Feeney lands in the hospital, Corey becomes increasingly haunted by the idea that his evil thoughts may have killed Mr. Feeney. Ooh, yeah, this is this is heavy stuff. Good, good update on an upgrade on the summary. Very nice job. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you, on a scale of one to ten, how strong do you think this episode is as a season finale? I am definitely a fan of a TV show that gives me like a big reveal or something major happening at the end. You know, something not even necessarily a cliffhanger, but just something like a wedding or, you know, something big happening. I'm not sure there was any of that to really point to if there was something huge that could happen in this episode. So I think it's good enough in that, you know, Corey and Feeney's relationship is really bonded from their moment they share in the hospital. So I I would give it maybe like a seven. That's very generous. I didn't remember this episode at all, even as I was watching it. There were maybe like one or two small things that I was like, that seems vaguely familiar, but I didn't remember it. Not a very memorable episode for me. And aside from one sweet moment, I think uh, it wasn't wasn't exactly what I thought the season finale would be. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair enough. I think you get like the kids finale for like lack of a better term in the episode before because there's so much focused on Corey and Topanga and Sean and you get a lot of them and really none of the adults and I think ultimately this show is about Corey and him growing up and the lessons he learns and the majority of these lessons are being learned by his teacher and neighbor Mr. Feeney and so that relationship being the focal point of this final episode made sense to me. Yeah that's a good read on it. I guess I just thought it would be something with like summer break or calling back to their like upcoming transition to high school. And they just, they didn't hit on any of that, but you're right. They did focus on the, the special bond between uh, Corey and Feeney. So I guess that makes sense. And their food services budget is way up because in the opening scene here, Corey and Sean are making a, I guess you can call it a smoothie, although making for consumption is not exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I think they're trying to do like a cool guy, like bulk me up type of shake. But yeah, they're doing something with the blender. I will say the special effects budget in this episode is also through the roof, which we won't, <laughs> I won't give any spoilers, but you're going to be sh- with shock and awe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're making a disgusting smoothie. They put like a whole banana in with the peel, um, like an entire jar of peanut butter and a raw egg. Thankfully, without the shell, because Stallone eats raw eggs in his smoothies. Do you know who else drinks raw eggs? Who? Gaston. Oh, sure, sure, sure. When I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs every morning to help me get large. And now that I'm grown, I eat five dozen eggs, so I'm roughly the size of a barge. Uh, Well, it works because he's a big man. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone, by the way, is not 5'2". He's 5'10", so maybe short for like a leading man, but certainly not short by average standards. It was a good joke, though, because Sean wants to add the egg and Corey's like, that's gross. It's a raw egg. And he's like, 
Sean's like, but Stallone eats them. Corey retorts, Stallone is five foot two. And <laughs> Sean goes, well, you're like two foot five. And that's when Corey's like, all right, do the egg, do the egg. Yeah, throw it in. And Corey does want to put a lid on. He doesn't protest too strongly. And then before he knows it, Sean's hitting the blender button. Food's going everywhere. They're making a terrible mess. They're wasting food. You know, I get that it's like kind of fun to do this, but ultimately this is just a big old waste. You know how I feel about wasting food and about making a mess and not cleaning it up. So this whole scene really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. There's a funny part when Amy walks in and she just kind of looks at what's happening and then walks right out without an explanation. And Corey says he's going to clean it up, but then they get right into studying and he doesn't clean it up. And maybe he's forced to do it later, but my guess is Amy's cleaning it up later. They literally are both splattered in smoothie. They're covered in like milk and the kitchen is sprayed because they ran the blender without the lid. And then they're like, well, guess we should just go sit at the kitchen table and ignore this. Like, what the heck, man? Gross. Yeah. Did you notice in the scene, Corey says, I wanted to use the lid on the blender. I was lid boy and like does his superhero pose lid boy. I was going to mention that a little bit later because it's not the only superhero he will be in this episode. And I also have a list of other superheroes he has claimed to be earlier in the series, so we can get to that later. But just know that now he is Lid Boy. That's good. He does. That is a go-to trope for him. So I'm excited to hear the full list when we get one more boy reference a little bit later. Yes. So they transition over to the table because they are technically supposed to be studying for a geography test and it seems like they have the Jacqueline view on things in terms of geography which is I don't know why we need to learn this and how to do it because it'll never come in handy I have never said that I only (laughs) I only have admitted that I am not good at geography and don't particularly enjoy it I've never said that it's stupid or that we shouldn't learn it it's just not my cup of tea Okay, that's fair. Jacqueline, do you know what the capital of North Dakota is? Oh, shit. I should have looked this up. Okay, it's either Pierre Bismarck. Bismarck? Ding, ding, ding. Oh, thank God. Good job. Yeah, it is not Banff, which is a national park in Canada, which I apparently just recently saw pictures of. And holy shit, that place looks amazing. I was kind of wondering what the joke there was when he says it's Banff. Like, what's the, I guess it's just the wrong answer. I Like, starts with a B and is cold and like up in that area is, is my only guess. It is Bismarck. Nice job. Thank you. They start talking about how they wish Feeney would miss a day so that they didn't have to take this test tomorrow. And they start talking about teacher pay and teacher sick time leave and that they get five whole days of paid sick time. He never takes it. Yeah, Corey and Sean's brains are exploding now that they have heard that paid sick leave is a thing that exists. They're both just like, maybe Feeney doesn't know that he has sick days that he can take. And all the while, they're like watching Mr. Feeney through the window. He's out in his yard putting up this like, Sean, I believe, refers to it as a dorky duck. It's like a weather vane, I guess, with like the duck where the where the wings spin when the wind blows. Uh, It's pretty dorky, but they're watching him out there. And literally, Corey's like, man, if he would just 
get sick and take the day off, like we wouldn't have to take this test. It, it definitely makes sense that Feeney is the type of guy that wouldn't want to miss a day of school no matter what. You're saying he's a dork. I'm saying he takes his job seriously. Oh, that's a nicer way of saying it. You know, Corey kind of wishes here that Feeney would get sick and miss a day, all because they don't want to take the test the next day. And so everyone's kind of nervous for this test. And well, Minkus isn't. And he comes over to taunt Corey and Sean, who are nervous about the test. Minkus says, you know, if you guys would have just studied, then you wouldn't have any problems about this. And meanwhile, Topanga is prepping by doing some yoga. Yeah, so we're in the classroom. It's the next day, the day of the test. Minkus is just like kind of being a jerk. And Sean does a very spot on impression of Minkus, although they are all being really mean to each other at this moment. Like Corey's like, you'll never be popular. And Sean's ragging on him and they're all like calling each other names not very nice um but i guess that's the dynamic that we have here yeah they remembered how good sean's impression was from that family episode when he did his minkus impression they i think they just wanted to give him another chance to do it so he breaks that out here that's right i can just hear you 10 years from now people people how many times do i have to tell you if you save your receipts you won't have to worry about an audit it is really spot on. And just when everyone thinks that they're going to have to take this test, in walks a substitute teacher. And uh, now the boys are wondering whether he actually got sick or whether he just decided to take one of those days that he had. Yeah, so it sounds like they think that uh, Feeney is playing hooky. And Miss Chase, the substitute teacher, walks in looking just like a supermodel. Did you? Could you believe what this woman looked like? She was like six feet tall, slim, beautifully dressed. I was like, my God, that's, I never had a substitute teacher that looked like that. Yeah. I guess this is also the right time to bring up the fact that in a minute, she's going to mention that she majored in poetry at the University of Pennsylvania and that one, I'm sure her parents are super pumped that she spent four years at an Ivy League school to get a poetry degree. (laughs) And two... (laughs) That there's so many jobs out there for her that she's resorted to taking her Ivy League degree and substitute teaching at a school in Philadelphia. (laughs) You know, she looks great, but what is she doing there? I don't know what people do after they study poetry uh, in college. So maybe she is a freelancer and she just does substitute teaching on the side. But I think that Uh, The class really underestimated her as a substitute teacher and they thought that she was going to be some clown and they could pull a fast one on her and be like, oh, we're just going to goof around today. Feeney's told us we were supposed to write poems. And that's when she is like, how fabulous. I have a Ivy League degree in poetry and I think we should all read Beowulf. They get out of the test, which I guess was the ultimate main goal for them. Even Minkus kind of covers for them and they get out of the test, but... Uh, she, she turns that into her talking about her poetry degree and saying uh, it was actually on epic poetry and uh, I did my dissertation on Beowulf and you're going to copy down the first 1600 lines today. So yes, they did not get out of it. They got themselves into a, an extremely boring assignment. That's just bad luck. I mean, what it is is just bad luck. But I'm wondering like, you know, they know that Mr. Feeney is going to make them take the test eventually. And they know that they have absolutely no intention of studying for this test. So why wouldn't they just rather get it over with? I guess kids don't really think that way. 
yeah, any delay is a win in their minds, I guess. So you're right. Also, Beowulf, definitely we read that in like ninth or 10th grade. It would be very advanced for these sixth graders. Also, where is she getting 20 copies of Beowulf for this class to read on such short notice at a middle school? I don't think they just have stacks of that laying around. Probably not. That's a good point. Maybe she had one and put it up on the board for them all to copy or... I don't know. That's a good point. But this is... Yeah, turned out to a very boring day. So anyway, we we cut to the cafeteria a little bit later and Topanga saying that she can't believe that Mr. Feeney missed a day. And Corey now starts to really put together that what he said earlier that he thought he's the one that made this happen because he wished Mr. Feeney ill and then he didn't show up and he's trying to convince Topanga and Sean that he's got these powers of making people sick. It's such an odd thing for him to brag about. Don't yeah. you think? Like he wished that Mr. Feeney would get sick. He admitted that he wished Mr. Feeney would get sick. Mr. Feeney did get sick. He doesn't know to what extent. He could just be playing hooky at this point. We still don't know. But he doesn't feel bad about that at all. He is bragging about it. And in fact, he doesn't feel bad about it even after Topanga is like, well, you know, the power of the mind is can be very powerful. So like you have to be careful with, about your thoughts. And he's like, whoa, maybe I'm like an X-Men and I have superpowers. And he's still not feeling any guilt or like weirdness about this he's like openly bragging about it yeah i get it though at this point like being sick has a wide range of things to mean and if he's just got like a cough and a little bit of a cold and couldn't make it in i'm not sure i would necessarily feel too bad about like wishing that my teacher had a cold and then they got a cold so at this point he doesn't feel bad because i don't think he understands the full like spectrum of how sick Feeney could be. Well, someone should go back in time and tell Corey about coronavirus, and then maybe he won't be wishing people to get sick. No, definitely wouldn't be in this day and age. Sean makes the first of a couple of funny jokes in this episode that Corey sets himself up for, where Corey says he has the power to make people sick. And Sean goes, Yeah, you're making me sick right now. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of those jokes. <laughs> Corey, who once earlier was known as Lid Boy, now wants to be called Sick Boy, maybe the worst superhero name of all time. Yep, he can make his enemies hurl into a trash can, I believe is his tagline. Um, Yeah, okay, so earlier he was Lid Boy, which actually I think is worse than Sick Boy, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. In season two, he will be referred to as Danger Boy, and the episode is actually called Danger Boy. Uh, But earlier in season one, he referred to himself as Risk Boy in the Risky Business episode where they're betting on horses, and uh, later would refer to himself as Accomplice Boy in the Fugitive episode where Sean is hiding out in his bedroom. That is a weird list of names for him to be. Yes. Now Corey wants to prove his powers and he's going to prove it by making Minkus sick. And so Sean says, you know, if you can do it, do it to Minkus. And then Minkus walks in and he actually says he isn't feeling well. And now Topanga and Sean are both believers. They say, oh, that's kind of spooky. Yeah, Topanga gets chills. Yeah, exactly. But why is Minkus not feeling well? That is the question. Well, he just found out that Mr. Feeney is in the hospital and he just is down in the dumps about it. 
And this is the moment when Corey realizes that he's actually been a bit of a jerk. Yeah, he now has realized this is not a cold. This is serious. He's in the hospital, and uh, that that can only mean that something serious is going on. And uh, now Topanga kind of jumps ship and says, Oh, Corey, you did this, and you're going to get some karma now because what goes around comes around. You're going to get what's coming to you. And and he kind of does. Yeah, and then Sean now is really spooked out and he just runs away because he's like, get away from me, you're a witch and don't make me sick. Yes, you're Chris Angel mind freak, get away. (laughs) Um, Cheese it. (laughs) That's David Blaine. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't watched that video in so long though. Hey, what are you drinking? I'm drinking orange soda. Ooh, yeah, big one. favorite. You're gonna turn it into a teddy bear? I'm holding it. Orange soda, huh? Hey, what else is orange? What else is orange? I don't know. Cheez-Its? Cheez-Its! What the? Cheez-Its! Fuck! What the? What? Cheez-Its! 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 Where's my orange soda? What'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? Where's my orange soda? Oh, it's so good. Check what's in your cup. <laughs> okay so in the living room amy is writing a get well card for mr feeney and there are a couple of funny jokes about her handwriting being bad Corey doesn't want to sign it when offered which is a weird move especially when he's feeling guilty but i guess he just doesn't want anything to do with it so he doesn't sign the card yeah this whole scene with the parents blah 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 lame Corey is racked with guilt. Is this where he talks to Alan about his guilt? And voodoo. And yeah, exactly. He's basically just like, can I actually make people feel sick? And Alan's not really, not really buying it. And then Corey just kind of like takes himself out of the conversation before Alan can even respond. So nothing, nothing of substance actually really happens here. Yeah. So Corey goes upstairs and he decides that he's going to try praying because he's worried about Mr. Feeney. And he's like, Dear God, if Mr. Feeney's going to be okay, just give me a sign. And he looks out the window into (laughs) Feeney's backyard. And right as he says this, Mr. Feeney's duck statue just falls over and (laughs) crashes to the ground. And Corey's like, oh, no. Yeah. So uh, he is stressed out. Not a great sign. This is also where Eric makes a similar joke to Sean's quote about him making, you know, Corey's like, I'm like, I made him sick. And Eric's like, oh, I've known that for a long time that you can make people sick. So uh, he makes another funny joke. Why do you think I sleep with a barf bag? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And the new news that comes out of this scene is that Feeney actually has appendicitis and needs an operation, which seems even scarier to Corey, which prompts him to pray, which prompts him to see the duck, uh, like weather vane blow over and that is not a good sign for him he's he's about to start losing it right and so the next scene is Corey having an epic meltdown in the classroom yeah this is potentially the rudest that we see any character behave to any other character the entire first season as i was watching it i was shocked and appalled and i was like Corey has really crossed a line this time he is yelling at his substitute teacher He's telling her that what she's doing is stupid and her job doesn't matter and he knows what's best and also she should be baking him cupcakes 
And I was like, okay, this is bullshit. Like, Corey, somebody needs to teach this kid today. And then it is revealed that it's actually a dream sequence. So none of this was really happening. And I was like, oh, thank God, because this would have been really bad. Do you have a problem with Beowulf? Yeah. My problem is nobody cares. I don't need this. When am I going to need this? No one has ever needed this. And let me make myself even clearer. Beowulf needed no. <laughs> and on a completely side issue, who names their baby Rothgar? Are you through? No. As a matter of fact, I'm not. I don't think we need geography either. Well, this is a school. What do you think we should do here? I think we should sit around and talk about whatever we want. And you should make us cupcakes. Yeah, it was rough to watch him talk to her like that. And you start to sense, I mean, I at least start to sense that this is a dream or fake when the cupcakes kind of appear out of thin air. That's like the first sign yeah. that, uh, that something's like a little weird. Yeah, she's like, you know, you're right, Corey. I, I thank you. And thank you for telling me how boring this is because I could have wasted my whole life being a teacher. Like, we're just going to do it your way. And I thought she was being really sarcastic was, and was like about to rip him a new one. And then she's like, and here's cupcakes. And she just like pulls them out of thin air and hands him cupcakes. And that's when I was like, okay, this is obviously a dream. <laughs> she calls Minkus nerd boy. Yeah. And then the class is partying. Corey is passing out cupcakes. And who should appear in the back of the classroom but Mr. Feeney? Yes. And Corey's saying, you know what? Geography's done. We don't need that stuff anymore. We're going to call the teacher by the first name. Lighten up, Mr. Feeney. Like, this is karma for you being so strict all those years and not ever having any fun in the classroom. And uh, Feeney gets in on it and throws a cupcake at Sean, which I just was thinking that must have been so fun for him to to film that scene. Yeah, getting hit in the head with a cupcake is a real bummer because you know the frosting is really just going to be stuck in your hair. And you can't even lick it out because it's the back of your head. Yeah, it's a lose-lose situation. And your cupcake's now <laughs> on the floor and you can't eat it. So. Yep, lose-lose indeed. Um, so after uh, he realizes that, you know, Feeney says, Sean can't see me, he's not the one responsible, I'm dead thanks to you. And that kind of prompts Corey to wake up screaming and realize that it's just a dream, but it is one of these like fun dream in dream in hallucination scenarios where like you're not really sure what's real and what's in his head and what's not because the the hallucinations continue. I believe the term you're looking for is inception. <laughs> <laughs> there's this yeah, they're ahead of their time. There's this podcast I listen to and one of the guys is like, I hate how anytime there's like a thing within a thing, people just call it inception for like anything. And they're like whoa, there's like a shirt on that shirt. It's Inception. Whoa. So there's like an ongoing joke where they just call stuff Inception. But uh, in truth, it is a dream within a dream, which is the premise of that movie. So I'm going to use it here. Yeah, I think that's accurate. So we get, I think probably the funniest scene of the episode is this scene in the kitchen where Corey's awake and he's drinking coffee and his dad comes down and he's like, Corey, what are you doing drinking coffee? And he goes, I always drink coffee when I kill a man. <laughs> yeah, Corey is spiraling. I guess his nightmares about Feeney being in the classroom dead and then being in Eric's bed were just too harrowing and he couldn't fall back asleep. So he goes downstairs and makes coffee, which is probably the most disgusting coffee ever made because a child made it. But 
Yeah, he's uh he's looking bad and he is very very upset about these dreams that he's having. Yeah, he can't seem to shake them and finally gets some good advice from somebody in this episode when dad comes down and starts talking about the fact that he's basically just feeling guilty because all you wanted to do is get out of a geography test but you ultimately feel like you're responsible even though you actually had no no impact over his health but instead of kind of saying thank you for all of the work that he does you just give him crap for teaching him things and uh and you never say thank you so that's probably why you're feeling guilty and he uses this really bad analogy about his teacher miss perch actually the analogy is not that bad i just the, the line that like he says her name is miss perch and then the name implies she's prettier than she was that really just like i focus on that way too hard because it didn't make any sense to me yeah, we had the exact same thing going over here. I watched the episode with Arthur, and as soon as he said that line, he's like, I had this teacher, Miss Perch, and the name makes it sound like she was much more attractive than she was. Ha ha ha. And after he said that line, I could not listen to anything else that he said because I was like, first of all, don't talk about how attractive your teacher was while you're trying to teach your sixth grade son a lesson. Second of all, what does that even mean? Perch is not a word. Perch is nothing. Yeah, what are anything. you? I mean, it is a word. Okay. But it doesn't imply anything. Like, what are you even talking about, Alan? I'm starting to really question Alan's judgment. He's not, he is not the <laughs> feminist icon well, that he I does, want him to be. <laughs> that is, that's very true. Although in this, in this instance, he does end up giving Corey some good advice, which is like, listen, you want the manifestations to go away? Like you just need to like assuage your guilt. You need to go and and you know handle this in in a way that you can get past it and and it'll happen for you. And right as that happens, then the special effects team really kicks it into high gear. Oh, somebody gave special effects department carte blanche with the budget, and they really turned it up to eleven. So they they superimpose like twenty different feenies in the kitchen, and they're all like. One of them's like on top of the fridge and one of them's in the sink and there's a bunch of them and they're all like laughing at Corey. Yeah, the the scene where they're all there and they're all in like their different positions and all laughing maniacally at the same time. That's that's the peak of the episode. It sucked. It was so stupid. <laughs> and the fact that I had no memory of that, like you'd think that something like that, if it were funny, would have really stuck in my mind. I had no memory and I was watching it and I was like, the hell is this? Like, it's so stupid. But don't worry, it will get worse. Well, yeah, the only memorable scene I think from this episode that I, I at least for me, I clearly remembered was the scene where Corey goes to visit Mr. Feeney in the hospital. This scene, was, did this one at least jog your memory a little bit? No, it didn't. The only scene I remembered was the substitute teacher Beowulf thing when she like flips it on them and is like, oh, you want to do poetry? Okay, I happen to have a degree in poetry. That is the only scene that jogged my memory at all. Dang. I remember this whole hospital scene really, really well down to like the germanium geranium debate and like Nurse Jill and the dragon in the hallway. All of that came flooding back to me immediately. No, not me, but we're, we're there now so we can... We can share with the the masses. Yeah, so Corey goes to visit Feeney in the hospital. His parents don't know he went there. He went by himself and he brought Mr. Feeney a little plant. 
And he's basically there to just make himself feel better, cheer up Mr. Feeney, and um, give him this geranium. Correct. Not a germanium. Yes. Geranium, beautiful little plant and flower. Germanium, an element number 32. Atomic weight, 64 and some change, whatever Mr. Feeney says here. Which, like, I know it's part of the joke, but does Mr. Feeney just know all of the different weird metals and their atomic <laughs> weights? That's that's impressive yeah, knowledge. Yeah, it is. To hear uh, one of the less common elements and know its atomic weight, pretty impressive. We really quickly, but we didn't talk about who the substitute teacher is. Miss Chase, played by Juliet Jeffers. And she had a pretty lengthy 90s sitcom career and has been in nothing necessarily like for a long period of time, but she's in, been in a lot of different TV shows. Yeah, she's in everything. She's in, she's actually in a episode of Grey's Anatomy, a very memorable episode of Grey's Anatomy where there's a train wreck and uh, these two people get impaled on a pole together. They're like both kebobbed on this pole and they have to figure out right. how to like get them off the pole. Um, she's not one of the kebobbed people, but that's the episode that she's in. Um, yeah, she's in a ton of stuff. She has had a long and successful career, which is still ongoing. I think she's in stuff that was like released 2020 or it has yet to be released. So she's got a lot going on, although she was not, she didn't look familiar to me. Yeah, I couldn't pinpoint her from anything either but yes nice big career for her and then we are introduced to nurse jill and nurse jill is somewhat of a, a more famous actress for this kind of small bit part than some of the other people in the show she's not necessarily a star that's got a main role in the show like a uh you know a supermodel or someone like that but she's been in a ton of musicals a ton of movies and tv shows probably most famous for playing the mom of the main kid in Risky Business. Mm. Yeah, she's been in everything as well. Um, like literally every show in the 80s, a ton of stuff in the 90s and through the 2000s. She actually passed away in 2012. So rest in peace, Janet Carroll. Yeah, big, big career there. So good cameo here. And she's a likable character as she comes in and kind of flirts with Mr. Feeney a little bit. Oh, is this your grandson? No. No way. Not at all. <laughs> what he said? This is one of my students, Corey Matthews. Corey, this is Nurse Jill. Well, it's nice to see one of your students came to visit you, George. She calls you by your first name? Don't blow it for me, a little weasel. Cute little scene there, and then we get, you know, Corey talking about, oh, man, did we just have a guy moment? And Mr. Feeney and Corey are bonding. Basically, we've got a really cute scene here with Corey and Mr. Feeney, and Corey admitting that he wished Mr. Feeney would get sick to get out of the test, and Mr. Feeney saying, oh, I can't die, Mr. Matthews. I've got too many students left untaught. In a strange way, you've actually kept me alive with all of the work that you've put me to. So they have a good moment here. And I think everyone is forgiven. And, and Corey realizes that uh, he didn't actually do anything wrong and that he feels good by being able to, to visit and apologize. Yeah. And Feeney's very gracious the way he accepts this apology and like kind of lets Corey off the hook and makes him feel better. It's good. And then Corey really gives Mr. Feeney a hearty chuckle when, uh, 
he so he gives Mr. Feeney the plant. He's calling it a geranium. Feeney's correcting him and saying it's a geranium. Uh, they have a little conversation about that. And, you know, after Mr. Feeney says the whole thing about needing to teach him, he's like, well, Mr. Feeney, like you've taught me now. Next time I'm walking down the street and someone asks me the atomic weight of geranium, I can tell them, that's a plant, you idiot. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Feeney like cracks up and clutches his stitches. Um, in the director's cut, his stitches actually burst open and spray <laughs> blood everywhere. <laughs> Corey passes out. <laughs> uh, that is, I, I haven't seen that that version of it. I'll have to go dig that up in the archive somewhere. But yeah, 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 it's in the uh, it's in the DVD special features. Yeah, it's a great scene, and we're hoping now that there is a mutual respect between these characters that will never be broken, and that you know once once Corey moves on and Feeney's still back in middle school and Corey's in high school, that they can come to have a uh, a more jovial and like more mentor student role than teacher student role because there's no way that Mr. Feeney is just going to like jump up to high school after 20 years of being in the middle school just because Corey goes there. It is funny that Corey thinks that uh, he's moving on from his Feeney days when in fact it's only just begun. Literally only just begun. So Corey feels better when he leaves and he's trying to fix the duck when uh, before Mr. Feeney comes home, but he comes home a day early. And as Alan goes to get Corey some tools to fix it, Feeney says, oh, I had to get out of there. They replaced Nurse Jill with Nurse Larry. Uh, help me and and help me plant this geranium in, into the garden here. Corey's like, you're going to plant my tiny little plant in the ground? And Feeney's like, oh, well, with a little care, this plant can grow into a beautiful shrub. As long as nobody wishes that it dies. Ha ha ha. Yeah, he uses it as a little metaphor for his relationship with Corey and saying that as long as it's got like a good good gardener, good mentor, uh, that something beautiful can come out of it. And you get the joke at the end there. Exactly right. Um, so like I said, you know, I think you're right. In, in reviewing the episode, is it like one of my favorites and one of the most memorable? No, it, it is weak as a season finale but i understand the sentiment here because that bonding that happens in these last couple of scenes is important it is i just uh you know not my favorite episode of the season and it would not have been my pick for season finale but alas yeah we get kind of a, an apropos end to this season and scene because the four main kids are in the classroom, why they're there and why it's just them, who knows, but they're trying to use their minds to light up a light bulb. As Topanga says, the mind is the greatest power company of them all. And, uh, and Minkus goes, but Sean didn't pay his bill. And then just when you think that that's the only like funny line, Sean snaps back. Those are cute last words. So you had a, a three trio of good lines back to back. Yeah, there was some funny banter going on, but essentially Topanga's trying to get all of them to focus their mental energies on this light bulb that she's holding in her hands. And she says if they all focus really hard, the light bulb will light up if they use their psychic energies. And of course, Corey and Sean are just goofing around and not taking it seriously at all. And Minkus is finally like, they're so selfish. They're, you're not going to get them to focus on anything unless it's something they really want. And so... Corey and Sean both like squint their eyes and stare at Minkus and then 
Minkus disappears again in a zap of special effects magic. Yeah, this is the second time he disappeared because you remember he's like time traveling in an episode a few episodes ago and he does the zap in the in the post credit scene. And How then, could I forget? Yeah, so now he's zapped away and it's really, I don't know if, if this is a coincidence. I think it probably is, but Minkus literally gets zapped away for the next four seasons because we will not see Minkus for... The, until the end of senior year at graduation for one episode. So it's kind of funny that they zap him away and then he doesn't come back. It's it's hilarious. I did not even make that connection. I just was so distracted by like the cheesy special effects and the fact that the last time they were zapping stuff away was like literally the worst post credit scene I had ever seen. So I was just like, oh, we're still with these special effects and the zapping and all of this. That I didn't even make the connection that like literally they make him disappear and then he will not resurface again. What do you think? Do you think that these like weird out of world special effects that are like supposed to be funny? Do you, I think they stop with those at some point because I don't I can't think of an instance in any of the later seasons where there's like some magical thing happening that's like not realistic. Uh, they they do some magical things. Uh, but not like this. There is like a crossover episode with Sabrina the Teenage Witch where there's like some time travel. Um, there's, you know, a dream episode where Corey gets bonked on the head and has like a whole episode in his dream. So they do some um, they do some like quote unquote magical stuff, but nothing like this with the special effects, I don't think. Yeah. Good riddance, Minkus. Good riddance, special effects. Let's focus on high school and all of the drama and troubles there is there to face. So we've done it. Corey's made it through his sixth grade year. He's on to high school along with Sean and Topanga. A lot of new characters like UT's last episode to meet in the new season right off the bat, actually. So really excited to dive into that in a couple of months. It's going to be so great. I mean, just think of all the stuff we have to look forward to in the Boy Meets World universe. We've got teen drinking. We've got cults. We've got saving yourself for marriage. We've got all types of hilarious and fun and deep themes that we can sink our teeth into. Awesome. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for all of your help in putting this together and getting it up and running and and doing it. It's been a lot of fun doing these with you, and hopefully we continue strong into the fall. Very much looking forward to coming back after a brief hiatus and uh, getting started on season two with everyone. We'll miss you guys over the summer. Lila, Ags, TTYL. We'll hope to have some, maybe a fun teaser bonus episode at some point over the summer, maybe a ranking or some sort of interview. We'll see what we can pull together, but you know, be on the lookout for that. And thank you all again for listening and making it to the end of the season. And we'll see you next season. Bye, guys. Good night, everybody. See you later, Terminator. <laughs>